Hello, everybody, and welcome to Grand Slam KBO, our weekly podcast on the Korean Baseball League. Matthew Kerr and Bradley Hyder are both off this week, so I'll be talking to disgruntled SK Wyverns fan Michael Delgado about where it's all gone wrong for the 2018 champions. We also look at ballparks, what makes Kim Heroes championship favorites, and Hall of Fame returns after last week's popular edition of Hall of Shame. You can find us on YouTube, most podcast platforms, and on Twitter. Thanks for listening. Michael Delgado, welcome back to Grand Slam KBO. You were one of the first guests we had on 2017, I remember. Yeah, it's been a minute, but always a pleasure to be back. Uh, different with you, because a lot of the people who are watching the KBO this year, as we can see on, on, my, on my KBO's Facebook page, are foreign-based KBO fans who picked up the league for the first time. But you're somebody who has lived here before, You've been following the league for a while, but you're not living in Korea at the moment. So what is it like following this league from outside of Korea, a league that you've gotten to know pretty well from your time living here? Well, as you can see, looking out there, it's mid-afternoon right now for me. And so as a result, working standard ops, sometimes I'll get a chance to kind of check the scores on lunch. It's hard to find a quality stream because Germany doesn't carry American ESPN. And... Naver, when it does work, which is rare, it just doesn't have the internet quality out here to keep up with it. The one thing I missed about Korea, best Wi-Fi in the world. Yeah. But to keep track of the league, it's starting to get tougher because the big names I remember from five years ago when I lived out there are passing They're crop of new guys who outside of the top one or two names. Yeah. When you don't live in Korea, they, they do kind of blend together. You follow the or the drafts get posted up in the Facebook groups and everywhere. But I don't remember those names. Yeah. So it takes the first three, four months of the season to see a guy like the uh, the center fielder for Nexon proving that point. Yeah. Lee Jung Hoo. Yeah comes into the league as a rookie and absolutely tears it up. And my mindset is, who's this guy? Where did he come from? Hmm. Two years on, he's a staple of the league. That's probably the hardest thing about staying with it. And then the other hard thing this year, just to segue into talking about this team, is to have a team that came off the back of a championship that even in Germany I had something to be excited about for and came so close to doing it again last year expectations were through the roof and I thought it was a bad start for the first two weeks or so but to just have the team that had such hope and such expectation just fall off a cliff and so blatantly be not there and not where they should be and still have not found it a hundred games into the season it's even more difficult because I can't get a pulse on it. I can't see what's wrong. I just see they're losing and they're bad and it's hard. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, we'll get on to, um, we'll get on to the SK Wyverns in a bit. There's plenty to go through in that. It's been a, a remarkable season, as you were saying, a, a manager that's currently not in the dugout these days. Um, before we get on to all of that, let's just have a quick look at the standings. These have been updated since 
we first got in touch um, about 20 odd minutes ago because um, the anti dinos have won both games in uh, both games against the Lotte Giants today. So now they pulled two and a half games clear of the Kiem Heroes here on a Sunday night. Um, the Giants are looking less and less likely like the playoff team. They're still only, uh, whatever, three and a half games out of fifth, but they don't really look like a team that's going to win enough games to uh, go on any sort of a charge. Um, and the Dinos, from I mean, looking like they were going to lose first spot in, uh, in the not-too-distant pass, are now pulling away again in first spot. So this is the current table at the moment. Dinos ahead of the Heroes. KT Wiz are up to third. LG Twins and the Doosan Bears make up the top five. And the Hanoi Eagles are still in bottom spot. Um, I'm guessing that's not the table you expected. Uh, out the gate, I mean, I definitely thought SK and KT would be basically swapped, if you'd ask me in April. I thought, you know, Lotte, Kia, Samsung would be about in that area. I didn't think Hanwha would have a 291 win percentage, but I knew they weren't going to set the world on fire. The real shocks to me have kind of been the soul teams. NC, we knew they were good. We knew what they had on paper. And it's good to see them actually producing because they have done this thing in the past where they have just decided not to show up. But the past couple of years, they have really been there. And yeah, they're two and a half clear. But what I see on the left there is that games played stat. They've got seven less, yeah. and they're seven to the good in the loss column. So they really control their own destiny there. Yeah, I wouldn't expect them to throw that away. But really what's been astounding all season long, the way the heroes have played, I said it in June, I think, and I've stuck by it, that they are the gem of Seoul this year when it comes to those three teams. And there was still a legitimate argument to be made for LG, but in the past month or two, I think the heroes have really shown that they can take the fight to anyone in this league. And if we don't see at least one Korean series game played in a dome, if it's not all of them for weather reasons, we'll see how that turns out. But if we don't see a legitimate home game in the Korean series in the dome, I'd honestly be surprised, especially with, the playoff format the way it is. Yeah, they Big got there last year. Football. Yeah, and they got there last year. They ended up getting swept by the the Doosan Bears. But the other the other surprising one there is the, the KT Wiz. I know they had a good season last year, but even up until about a week or two ago, they were always on the outside looking in at that top four, kind of compete, trying to hold off the Tigers and the Giants for the last playoff spot. And now suddenly they've jumped ahead of the two Jamshul teams at the third. I think a lot of people expected a good season from them, but third and only a game back from second, this is, uh, this is quite a turnaround. I have to give it to them. I got to give it to them where they're due. And I was there in 2016 when they were still a very new team and they were still trying to kind of find their footing in the league. If you've ever seen a, uh, a baby giraffe was kind of how I would describe them. Very wobbly, very unstable, but they were trying their best. Yeah. <laughs> and to look at what they're doing now, it's not insanely surprising because Suwon does have a pedigree of good baseball if you go back to the Hyundai Unicorns. But for KT to do this, I thought best case P6 
for the season. And granted, they've got a little bit of help. They've got Dusan not being the Dusan we're used to. Kia and Lote are off a cliff compared to what they were even two, three months ago. But they've really seized that. The door got left open for them, and they stuck their foot in, and they said, you know what, I'll be taking this. And at the end of the day, yeah, there's still 30 and some change games left. And they're only three and a half up on Kia in sixth place. But looking at those teams that are on the outside looking in right now, I just can't see where they're going to find one game every 10 on average a game a week, really, Mm. over that KT team, especially with head-to-heads still left to be played. I don't have that in front of me how many there are. Yeah. But I just don't see – Kia or Lotte getting there. And I think the best thing for KT would be to seize it and to really hold on to that third spot because what they don't need to do, and again, this is me speaking as an SK fan as well, is slide and stumble and have those growing pains again, like they're used to having, and end up sneaking into the fifth spot. Because if they have to go all the way up the ladder and play through tough teams, and then get knocked out, it really damages the credibility of the season. People will say, oh, they backed in. They got in because Kia or Lote or whoever couldn't get the job done. But they're in a position where they can really say that they're here to stay and they're here to show that they belong in this league. And all the credit to them because they've drafted very well. They really have. Yeah. And Melrose Jr. is... An, uh, an exceptional baseball player in this league. You're you're an, you're an SK fan. They're they're an inch on west of Seoul. I can never understand why these two teams aren't bigger rivals than they are. Maybe two they are. So I like to I like to find that out. Are the the KT Wiz the team that you dislike the most in this league? Because the way I see it is, it used to be a team in Incheon that then moved to Suwon, then eventually moved to Gochak or Mukdong to become the uh, what is now the Kim Heroes. But Incheon and Suwon is a pretty decent rivalry in Korean football. Um, Korean soccer and for me it, it sounds like it should be a good rivalry in Korean baseball as well but it doesn't really feel like that the Wyverns seem to the Wyverns fans seem to dislike Doosan Bears more than anybody else by a long way I think that's a, that's a theme for the league as long as I've known it because Doosan was the Yankees basically they were dominant they won all those championships in a, in a short time I'm not going to go through them all because it hurts to think about them as far as KT though I will say that SK's marketing department, at least when I was there, were trying. They were trying to beef up the fact that it's the two big telecom companies in Korea against each other. They tried to beef up the Incheon versus Suwon thing. And SK tried to make it sound like a rivalry. They tried to do all these theme promotion nights. From what I saw, KT was not really on board with that. KT was not pumping that particular rivalry up. I would personally, living as close as I did to Suwon, because I live down in uh, Pyeongtaek, so Suwon was actually the closest stadium for me. They were very apathetic to that almost while I was there. They didn't want to build any rivalry. They didn't want to target any particular team. But obviously, I've been gone for four years. For all I know, they have started to push that. KT, up until this year, though, 
they've just been that team that's there. And a major element of rivalry in every sport, you know, is the competition aspect, is the fact that they're going to go tooth and nail at each other, and it's going to be a tight game every time. When I was there, actually, despite the great geographical separation, yeah, Tucson was so much better than everyone else in the league. Our biggest rival that particular year as SK fans was Kia. Those were always the games where Tigers fans, all the credit in the world to them, they travel amazing. I don't think there was ever a better atmosphere that I went to than a Friday night or a Saturday SK versus Kia game because SK would pack out to the point where I would struggle to even get into the cheering section and just the whole left field line would be full of those yellow thunder sticks. Yeah. So as far as rivalry in terms of atmosphere and energy, I'd say SK Kia was that. As far as rivalry in terms of animosity, in terms of a team that you don't want to see do well, definitely for SK it's Doosan, but I think that's just a case of, you know, no one wants to see the same guys do it. I live in Germany right now, and basically either you're a Bayern München fan. Yeah. Or you hate them. Or what? And, or you just absolutely loathe their existence and you say, <laughs> you know what, anyone but Bayern. Yeah. Me as a Dortmund fan, it's, you know, always the bridesmaid, never the bride. So yeah. second pretty much every year. It, it reflects mm -hmm. in how I feel about Doosan. And to see them, I don't care if they get in as the five or not. And if they can get in as the five and fight their way to a Korean series and win it, I'll be the first to take my hat off to them. But I'm just happy to see them not getting the free pass and just getting plucked up and put in the final like they have been for so long in my experience. Yeah, I, I love it. I got to say, and I made this post yesterday on my KBO about it. Now that, of course, um, within 24 hours, they reclaimed Fifth spot, as I was saying earlier on, the Tigers have been dumped back down to their seemingly all-season-long position of sixth. But uh, I would be really happy to see anybody else win the league this year other than Dusan Bears. And it's not just because they've won so many recently, but it would just be nice to see somebody other than Dusan. And I would put Lotte second in that list, and then probably LG third. And then perhaps any team after that that's not the two Jamshul teams or Lotte, uh, you know, as long as they're not beating the Tigers in the final, I don't think I could, I could really care that much. Just those, those three teams, I don't want to see them. Those jackets. <laughs> yeah, those jackets. I mean, and the, and you know what? It will be nice. It will be nice this year, and I'm using this as an opportunity to take a dig. It will be nice that we will not see any Korean series games played in the second best stadium in the KBO. Yeah, I don't care. Munhak will always have a place in my heart above Jamsil, but that's partially because I think Jamsil's a very uh, cookie-cutter stadium. I always did. If okay. you look at it as a stadium until it fills out, until it packs out, it yeah. doesn't really have that much atmosphere. And I went to too many LG games on Thursday nights where there was no one there that that stadium was made by its location for me. It was yeah, just the fact that it's in Seoul. It's there. Let's, well, let's talk about that, Danny, because I agree. There's nothing special about Jamstown. It's just the location and the fact that you can walk around from foul ball pole to foul ball pole, first base to third base, and you can pretty much sit wherever you want. And there's nobody there checking your ticket. The outfield sucks in Jamstown. 
more than any other ballpark in Korea. But the infield is pretty good and the location is really good. Like the, the actual ballpark itself isn't that amazing, but Jamsha wins out every time for me just because of where it is and the atmosphere inside. I think if you take Munhak and you put it anywhere else, because Incheon is out there, it's an hour on the subway lines out of Seoul. It's up there in the corner of the country almost. If you take Munhak and you put it anywhere else, it probably wins out. But yeah. because of the relative remoteness of Incheon, that's why outside of Kia and occasionally the Seoul teams, the traveling aspect really wasn't there. Yeah. But at the same time, if we're going to talk stadiums, I have to admit that I'm not qualified because I saw a couple highlights and Suwon's Park has almost doubled in size since I've been there. Yeah. It was the outfield was just a strip of grass between the fence and the back wall when I was there with that neat little mini bar that apparently has a propensity for getting its windows smashed in. And now it's a full-fledged baseball stadium. Not to mention, Masan's torn down now, is it not? Or at yeah. least closed. Yeah, it doesn't And C's playing in what appears to be a gorgeous new park, but I'll yeah. have to get back out and see it for myself. I haven't been there either. Um, I presume you never made it to the Dome. I made it to the Dome many times. I'm the one who posted the legendary oh, yeah, Mike yeah, and group picture of a bucket yeah. occupying a seat down the right field line. <laughs> I hope they fix that. No, well, they may have fixed that particular hole, but there was a game on there recently when it was there was uh, a leakage, probably two weeks ago, during one of our regular monsoons here. So there's still a problem with the roof and the Gochek Sky Dome. That was uh, Bradley Hyder's nomination for Hall of Fame, which didn't win. Didn't win. It's only seven years old. I went to the All-Star game in that stadium because I had a very wonderful Korean friend who helped secure tickets for myself and Justin Schaefer, and we were in center field. Uh, I realize it's kind of a common theme that outfield seating in KBO parks is mediocre. Yeah, yeah. But it was the All-Star game. I'll take what I can get. And Gochok does have that wonderful little shopping mall and food court underneath the stadium. Yeah. So it's quirky. It's got character. But come on, it's seven years old. You shouldn't have a roof on par with the kingdom. And the obstructed views as well. Did you think it was a wordy nomination for Bradley's Hall of Shame? It didn't get my vote because my vote very clearly went to the playoff structure. Okay. I think it probably wins if someone didn't put this damn playoff structure in there. I've been screaming about this playoff structure for years. It's so simple. You want five teams in? Okay. Two versus five, three versus four. Or something along those – no, sorry, that doesn't work. I've been screaming about it for years. You have four and five play, mm. winner plays one, two and three play, final. There you go. And maybe it's more baseball to have this stacked ladder thing, but winning the league gives you a bye to the final. It's just yeah. never hit right with me. The team that finishes fifth is never going to win the KBO, ever. And the team that's been finished fifth has never even won the, the wild card because that's even stacked against them. You have to win two games, whereas the team that finished above you just has to win one game. or tie. The best two out of two? Yeah. Best Korea two logic. <laughs> but it's, it's the KBO-ness, which I'm not going to 
I'm going to save that. I'm going to yeah. save that. We're going to come back to it. <laughs> I see where this is going. Uh, I'm going to get a moment to the Jonas later. Yeah. Um, the playoff schedule and the Gochak Skydome, from my quick reading of Mike KBO's thread on this earlier on today, my nomination for bunting with one guy on in the, cre in the playoffs when it never seems to work and every single manager seems to fall into the same trap uh, had doubled the number of votes of the other two. I won that one comfortably. And I haven't checked the, the Twitter the Twitter feed yet. I'll let Matthew re reveal the results next week when he comes back from his, his illness. But it seems like more people are, are keyed off with in the, in the playoffs, bunting with a guy on first and always seemingly not scoring. I've watched a KBO game. I believe it was LG and uh, I know it was LG because LG did it. Away game. Might have been KT. First batter, either drew a walk or got a single. Bunt. Second batter of the game. Sacrifice bunt to move the leadoff guy to second. Yeah, it's, it's, it's trash. It's not it's, fun. It's not fun. It's not fun. I saw, do you remember Isan? Is that our Isangu or Isanu? He used to be a catcher for the, the Wyverns. He plays for the LG Twins now. He used to be at the time. He's part of that mammoth four for four trade between Kia and what? SK. Oh, I, I thought you were talking about way back in the day, the SK catcher that went to LG who had the greatest cheering song ever, Junk Song Ho whose cheering song was to the tune of Living on a Prayer by Bon Jovi. As soon as I heard that for the first time in person, I, I was done. I was, that was part of what got me hooked on this league. It was maybe the second or third game I ever went to in Jamsil on a Saturday. Yeah. SK against LG, and this man came up in the second or third inning, and the whole right side of the stadium erupts into Living on a Prayer by Bon Jovi. I was like, okay, this will be all right. But as far as that big four for four trade, Kia and SK, you're thinking of Ihongu. No, there was, was another guy. He, there was another guy, Isongu, as well. Ihongu yeah. was the, the main catcher with Kim and Chick in that trade. But I saw this other guy pitching for, sorry, catching for Kia before all that. And twice he bunted into a double play in Jamshill. I believe that was just the end of my. Anyone who bunts into a double play needs to take a month off immediately. Twice. Twice. Um, <laughs> retire. And, yeah, retire. The, 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 the other thing I hate is when there's two strikes on the board and they still make the guy bunt. And every time a guy bunts two strikes on the board, he's guaranteed to foul it. Every single Absolutely. time. Absolutely. And then he's out. Absolutely. It's an unwritten rule of baseball. The baseball gods will not allow it. Yeah. The baseball gods will not allow you to get a fair bunt down with two strikes. Yeah. It's absolutely insane. So we'll, well, I said, Matt, Matt will have a, the confirmed results of that on next week's show. But I, judging by Facebook, I had the same number of votes as those two guys had together, which is quality. It's nice beating Matt in, uh, in the Hall of Fame or the Hall of Shame. Um, fortunately, Matthew, or unfortunately, Bradley has got zero votes in so far. Actually, you might do well today because generally the people we bring on in a situation like this, they tend to win either um, predominantly the Hall of Fame, obviously, but the guest. He sent you a submission. Has he sent you one or something? What? Has he sent you a nomination for the Hall of Fame, or is it just you against me straight up right now? It's is just you against me straight up today, yeah. And oh, I've I, got there. I think you might win this, yeah, because I'm beginning to run out of Hall of Fame things to do. But um, 
you might win this one for sure. Um, so, so let's have a let's have a chat about the the Wyverns. And like, I don't want. To, I'm not saying this because you're on the show, but the Wyverns are one of those teams that I don't have an issue with. If I would have when they won the series in 2018, the Tigers won in 2017. If we're going to hand it over to anybody, especially if it's against Tucson in the final. The Wyverns are not a bad choice. Um, but this year they're absolute garbage. And just having thinking of that SK KT rivalry at the moment, KT are ten and two over the Wyverns this year. And your Inchon boys have thirty-eight wins from 114 games, a three thirty-six winning average. So tell us why are the Wyverns so awful in twenty twenty? Uh, honestly. It's a comedy of errors almost. It's not any one thing you can really point at. I thought it was a slow start. We had some bad luck at the start of the year. We lost our catcher, EJ Wan, who's been a talisman for this team for years. He's a solid bat in the middle of the lineup, and he calls an excellent game. And he fell off for three weeks, I think, maybe even a month at the start of the season. There have been injuries since then, but the pitching just wasn't there early on. And then when the pitching was there, they'd come out and they'd score two runs. And then when you get an SK team that's based on the been based on the home run ball for as long as I can remember, and you've got basically Jamie Romack and Che Jong who can hit the ball out of the ballpark, you've got to find other ways to score. And they've done it a few times this season. But even a blind squirrel finds nuts at some point. They've won 30-something games, but they're still on like a 300 win percentage. All I'm saying, all I have to say bottom line on SK is get well soon to the manager, Yum Kim Yuk. But when he goes to the hospital after collapsing in the dugout a month and a half into the season and the doctors make a report that gets into the press that stress was a major factor, you have to look in the mirror and realize that his entire job, his literal career that he's been doing most of his life is organizational control of a professional sports team, of a bunch of adults playing a game. And if you are executing that poorly, that you're literally a factor in hospitalizing your manager, you gotta look in the mirror and fix something fast. And I will say that playing without a manager or playing with interim management for half the season has probably compounded the issue. But this ship had sailed for SK six weeks into the season. It was very apparent that they were not the team that coming into the year, most people, I would really love to pull up that preseason prediction article right now, most people had this team in the top three the start of the year on merit yeah but the slump they had at the end of last year that led to them going from a lock to the number the number one seed down to i think the three by the time playoffs started last year and then getting trounced out by the heroes it continued into the start of this year some key players got hurt they lost their manager and it's just been the snowball effect and it's the question of when's it going to stop? And I'll tell you when it's going to stop. It's going to stop when the last strike of the season is thrown and everybody can go home, take a couple of weeks off, forget that 2020 happened, 
not just on the field, but off. It's been a crazy year. Everyone watching this, stay safe, stay healthy. This will pass. And come back into 2021 as what they were supposed to be. I don't think they really have to make any huge moves in the offseason. The foreigners have underperformed, but we saw that with Samsung 2017, I want to say. They were solid on paper. Their foreign pitchers were a disaster, and they ended up eighth or ninth. Cut ties with these guys. Yeah. Set your core, as you always have, because SK is a team of loyalty. You look at Kim Kang-min, the center fielder, Che Jong at third base, EJ Wan, the catcher. These are guys who were veterans already when I saw them in 2016, and they're still staples of the everyday lineup, and they're still producing. And it does probably put SK on the back foot at some point in the future that they stay loyal to these guys because everyone reaches that end to their prime. Time comes for all of us. And in baseball, time is something that comes oftentimes very rapidly, very unexpectedly, and guys' production just falls off a cliff. But they've shown, if you look at these guys' individual numbers, that when they are in the lineup, Che Jong's been mostly healthy at least. Yeah. But – when these guys are in the lineup, they're still solid, valuable pieces. So for me, SK has to do the right thing right now. They've got to write off this season, keep those guys in the lineup that have earned it, but those other positions where guys aren't pulling their weight, get a young guy in there, let them develop, and look in the mirror at the last four or five years of SK baseball before this year and remind themselves that that's what they are. This team was a contender, and this proved to everyone in 2021 that this year was an outlier Yeah. in every sense of the term. However, I don't know if they'll do that strictly on the grounds of it's SK, and with the exception of the year that they won the series, I've watched this team be a comedy of errors when it counts. They're always better on paper than they turn out in the final standings, and that's just an SKism. Yeah, you mentioned there, like last season. I think it is important to remember that they finished with exactly the same record as the Doosan Bears last year 144 games, 88 wins, one tie, 55 losses, a 6.15 winning percentage for both teams. Like, I'm absolutely sure that's never happened in the KBO before where we had ex- identical records like that. Um, but the Bears won five straight at the end of the season, eight, one, and one to close out the year. The Wyverns finished with four win six losses and because as we know like if you finish first you go straight to the Korean series and that's it and this year could have been entirely different that they finished first got to the Korean series and then we're waiting for the winners of Doosan and Kian in the next round and they could have just gone on to win the championship and everything changed because they they only won whatever just say they only won four out of the last ten and blew what was a pennant that was in their back pocket going into the last week of the season there so, were seven clear with like three weeks to play or something like yeah, that. Yeah. It was on luck that they could have started printing shirts because one thing I love about the KBO and someone's got to put this up for hall of fame. Eventually there's commemorative shirts for everything in this league. <laughs> Absolutely everything. They yeah. did a commemorative baseball for Che Jung setting the record for getting hit by pitches. <laughs> they could have printed the shirts for the regular season championship 
and they found a way to tank it. When I was there in 2016, they were third or fourth in the league with a month and a half to play. I went off to Alaska for a month for work. I came back. They were sitting in sixth, two games out with, I think, a week left in the year. And I was there the day they got eliminated by NC with two games to play. And they finished sixth. Because it's just what they do, with the exception of that one year that Trey Hillman and his crazy hippie hair united everyone and got him a championship. Yeah, yeah. So they hit all those home runs. Even last season, Trey Jong and Romek hit 60 between them. But also, like, another big issue here as well that we have to talk about, though, is the farm. You mentioned the farm players as well. But Kim Gwangyan is gone last season. Uh, he was 17 and 6 last season. Sanchez was 17 and 5. And then even guys like Moon Sung Wan and Pat Jung Hoon, um, not having particularly wonderful seasons this year, but they were reasonably solid last year. Nobody really this year is performing to what a Wyverns fan would expect them to be able to do. And I'll give Moon some credit because I've been giving Moon this credit since I saw him pitch in 16. I still remember one particularly solid game. He got us a complete game, and we beat LG 2-1. to one. And I said Moon Sung Won is maybe the best number four starter in this league that's not known for starting pitching them. Yeah. Obviously, KK is a huge loss. He's playing pretty well for St. Louis right now. He's been alternating between starts and time out of the bullpen. They're working on stretching him out that I've seen. But everything I've seen of him, he's been pitching pretty well in the majors, and I'm incredibly happy for him because it was no small secret that he wanted to be in the major leagues. He battled back from missing an entire season to injury, and he's living that dream finally. That's great for him, but he was the face of this franchise for nigh on a decade. I don't remember when he broke into the league exactly. He was on a couple of those championship teams back in the late 2000s. So I know he was on the team for at least 10 years. And he was a face. You went to an SK game and there was a lot of 29 jerseys, either on the backs of fans or being held up on a thunder stick facing the field. Yeah. Because fans would do that in SK games. They'd bring like three jerseys and just hold them up. Don't know why. Yeah. But I dig it. They embraced it. But to lose him... And then to have Pinto come out and basically be the typical SK second foreign starter. They've been doing it ever since they had Braulio Lara for the second half of 2016. A big Latin right-hander who throws incredibly hard but has no concept of where the strike zone is. And then to have the issues they had with injuries to the guy whose name I'm really forgetting right now because he got hurt like a month into the season. Yeah. What was his name again? How many other? Um, I can't remember. I can't remember. It's, a classic, it's a classic SK thing. It's just, it's just gone. You know? I mean, you go back, Scott Diamond. Yeah. Walks killed him. These guys, the last time we were looking at two solid foreign starters was the start of 2016 with Merrill Kelly and Chris Seddon. Hmm. and they decided to let Seddon go after a couple of bad starts. Lara never got into it, and ever since then, SK has been a 
hit or miss with the pitching. Usually they'll get one pretty good one and the other one <laughs> half the time gets run out of town. It's Don't know what it is. Some teams always find the foreign talent. You look at Doosan mm-hmm. and even even Lote to a level. These guys always have solid foreign players. Whether it's Doosan with Fernandez, going back to their pitching, Lindblom, all the way back to Dustin Nippert. Even KT, credit where it's due to the Wiz. I've never seen him really have a bad crop of foreigners. They will get injury problems sometimes. And they also sometimes make the SK mistake of picking a guy who throws hard and can't locate. But KT is usually in the top half with foreign players. And Mel Rojas has really stepped up this year. I don't know what it is with SK and... At, to an extension, Samsung as well has this problem that the foreign scouts come back with glowing reviews about a guy who comes out and posts a 60 RA. Um, and then the batter, yeah. Then White, White is out for the season now as well. He was only brought in to replace the pitcher, and now he's done as well. Um, and there's no point, obviously, they can't replace him. There's no point, even if they could, there'd be no point replacing a guy like him now as well. It's all about building for next year, but did you like the idea of at least having two foreign batters, or would you prefer to have two pitchers and one batter? Well, I think there are certain teams that can get away get away with it. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a bold strategy from SK. I give them credit because, like I said, Munson Juan is one of the top bottom of the rotation stars in the league. Right now they're asking him to punch above his weight because there's not a ton of depth there. I think – Especially now, correct me if I'm wrong, but they've waived the rule about all three foreigners playing in one game. Yeah. So I think we will see more teams go that direction. Mm-hmm. Um, ultimately, in my experience with the KBO, it's a league with pitching weaknesses, though. So to throw two batters out there, I see it with SK because SK's always lived and died by the home run. So get two big boppers who weigh twice as much as anyone else on the team and tell them, hey, big man hit ball. All right. That makes sense for SK to do that. That's a very SK thing to do. But I'd almost rather try to see a team somewhere in this league go for three pitchers if they can flex it in the, in the rules. I don't think there's any sort of rule that says one of them has to be a position player. It does, yeah. There has to be one position player right. or one pitcher. All right. Well, I personal opinion is this is a league that's stronger offensively. Unless you're getting a guy like an Addison Russell, who all his off-field issues aside is a stellar defender, then – I don't see the purpose. I think you're better off trying to keep runs off the board. But if you are getting a guy like that who can be a mid-range bat because the pitching isn't at major league level, you get a guy who can hit, I don't know, 290, 300, get on base at like a 350, but plays outstanding defense, I think that's a worthwhile move. It's really a question of who you trust in your pitching staff. I think teams that could get away with it, Kiwum could do it. They have some very solid Korean pitching. If Kia could remember that they have Young Hyun Jong and Young Hyun Jong could pitch like Young Hyun Jong, then they could get away with it, probably. Only just. 
but I don't think it's going to take with eight to 10 teams in this league. I think we'll see it from maximum two moving forward, but it will be interesting to watch. Yeah. I, I think it'd be cool if you're allowed to have four and you get to have two and two. Um, four would work. I agree. Um, yeah. I think the, the issue, as you're saying, is just it's having enough Korean starters who can who can fill a rotation that you only need one far batter. And there really, there really aren't that many teams at the moment. But the Heroes is, is an interesting one because with all their injuries this year, they've been forced to play so many young Korean pitchers. And Next year, um, these guys get more experience this season. Next year, these guys could be proper viable starters, and then they can take that option. You mentioned Addison Russell there. I was pretty excited when he came over. Look at that guy who won the World Series in 2016. He was an all-star that year as well. He's batting around 275 at the moment in a really good team. He spends, he's on the bench quite a bit for the, the heroes at the moment. Without going too much into his playing career um, over in, in Korea, but I, for whatever reason, maybe it's, it's pretty harsh, but I just expected more from this guy than he's currently showing at the moment. Um, do you think it's just – I know like we're not professional athletes here, but is it just a bit of a time of getting adjusted over here and then maybe coming – early on, or sorry, coming halfway through the season is not as ideal as coming, you know, at the start. I think that's got something to do with it. I do think that plays a role, but I think at the same part of it, you're looking at it as a fan who's only really seen KBO baseball. KBO baseball is what you know baseball to be, and fans of the KBO in Korea, I wouldn't be surprised to see him them say he's underperforming just looking at his numbers because you expect from the foreigners in this league a big bat. Hector Gomez was a shortstop for SK in 16, but he wasn't a prototypical shortstop. He was a big guy, six foot three, six foot four, and he hit something like 16 homers in half of a season. These guys that come out here are usually power bats, guys who hit the ball out of the yard and can put runs on the board. Russell, while yes, I'd say his offensive numbers have been dragged down a little bit by being thrown into the midst of a season as opposed to having the whole year to prepare and play a full season. But at the same time, Addison Russell's not that player. Addison Russell's not the guy who's going to come out and hit 30 home runs. Yeah, he's at 10 errors. 10 errors defensively, which seems like quite a lot for a guy who only came in halfway through. That is true, and I don't really know what that has anything to do with anything being a guy who played a lot on turf fields growing up in the state of Washington I don't know if it took him a while to get used to how the ball's bouncing off the turf at the dome or what it is because a big part of Addison Russell's game has been his range his ability to get to a ball and make a play that a lot of guys wouldn't make that's what got him places in the major leagues And I'm not sure if maybe he fell out of the major leagues because he doesn't have that anymore. Because as I said before, father time comes for everybody. But he's never going to be a dude who's going to light the world on fire with his bat. He pretty much is what he is. If he hits 300, even in the KBO in a full season, I'd say that you take that. When he does get on, let him steal a few bases. But ultimately, he was supposed to be and I can't really vouch because I haven't seen much of his personal game, whether he has been or not, but 
he was supposed to be a guy who would lock down the middle of that infield with, yeah. oh, geez, I just forgot his name. The Kim, Kim Ha-Song. Yeah, Kim Ha-Song. You put him and Kim Ha-Song together, and in theory, nothing should get through that infield unless yeah. it's absolutely scorched. Yeah. And if you've got solid ground ball pitchers, one that really strikes my mind is Triple H, Han Kyung Hee. <laughs> Guys who are throwing the ball low and getting it hit on the ground, and you have a solid defensive middle infield, that's done and dusted. So I thought Russell was a great move for them. And truly, I think if they get a guy like a Russell in the world and then use their third foreign spot for a more prototypical KBO power bat, I think they would be a team that could very much get away with it, especially with how well they have still produced as a team in spite of all the injuries and the hodgepodge that they've had to use on the mound. I'm really impressed with them. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, let's talk about off the field then, or you, you can answer this question whichever way you want. But for somebody who has experienced the the joys and the wonders and the and the the sadness of KBO when your team is leading by three or four runs in the ninth and they go on to lose the game, when the bullpen comes in, is there anything that really stands out and something that, that you miss? I love asking this question to people who are not living here anymore. Everybody always says the cheering, the drinking. Uh, getting getting drunk in Moonhacker Jam Show. What stands out is like the thing that's that's missing most for you. Well, I'm gonna have to torpedo the whole structure of the show a little bit here because I'm gonna have to reveal what my Hall of Fame nomination is. <laughs> it's not an individual thing; it's the concept. And I wish Matthew was here right now because he wrote a whole long expose on it. But it's just the KBOness itself. It's a manager's decision to lay down a random bunt. It's an intentional walk to a three hitter with one of the best power bats in the game coming up and then he immediately hits a grand slam. It's a ball getting hit to a stalwart middle infielder who's been playing the game his whole life, who's 28 years old and in a clutch moment, he just decides, you know what, there's guys on first and third and I'm gonna throw it to third base for no particular reason. And then it's that throw getting dropped and going to the dugout. But not going into the dugout. It bounces off the dugout rail and goes into left field. And then the left fielder overthrows the catcher. And then the pitcher picks it up and overthrows the second baseman. And then the center fielder throws the initial batter out at third. It's these things that you see on the schoolyard growing up. And it's the things where as a baseball player myself growing up, you're standing in the middle of the infield just screaming at all your teammates to hold the ball, but these are professional athletes who are at the top of their game, and you can just blatantly see that they're just like us out there having fun. KB Onus, it's the guys like, you know, Najee Wan, or the one and only Chajun Suk, who look like they just got up off their couch, threw on some white knickers, walked out on a baseball field, and all of a sudden picked up a bat found themselves in the box and turned out to be pretty good at it. It's a league unlike anything else in the world. And I really feel for the fact that while fans are back in the stadium, the atmosphere is still very much restrained. And I feel for the fact that the fans who have tuned in from overseas, from the States, just because it was the only baseball going, 
didn't really get to see what this league really is. And I don't just mean the games like the one you and I went back and forth about for quite a while where SK gave up 10 in an inning to Kia and then Kia promptly gave him 13 back. That's something you only see in the KBO. Kia and their 14 (laughs) pitching changes in inning. It's one of a kind, but the one thing I miss more than anything, to go back to your very first question and to tie it all in, is the atmosphere. It's the fact that I've been to a game where SK was down double digits to Hanwha in a home game on a Thursday night. And there was only about a couple hundred of us in the cheering section to begin with, but every single one of us was still there. And we still stood up and we still sang and danced for every single batter mm-hmm. and then sat there with our head in our hands when our pitching went out there and gave up another 10 runs. But it's just the fact that it's just yeah. a bunch of, it's a bunch of big kids out there playing the kids game, just like they say in the movie Moneyball, everyone finds a time where the game tells them that it's, no longer time for them to play the child's game. Yeah. And that hasn't come for these dudes and they're loving every minute of it. And sometimes you do get something that you wouldn't see anywhere else in the world. And for me, that was what kept me going. And it's what keeps me watching even from out here is the fact that I'll watch a textbook triple play and then I'll proceed to watch six errors be committed on the same one or by the same team the next inning. It's unpredictable. It's fun. It is. And I have to show you this one because you know, there's obviously loads of examples of KBO in this, but this is one that Danny Kerr likes. Sorry, Danny Kerr. Danny Kurtz likes to share on yeah. my KBO. This was, I can't remember what year it was, but as you can see from the picture. Oh, please tell me. Please tell me this is this next in play. It was a Kia third baseman, Ebom Ho, standing beside, behind, the catch, <laughs> behind the catcher to do some defensive work as Shindam Sop cannot throw the ball straight. It is the top of the ninth. The Tigers are 5-5 five, five with the KT Wiz. Men at 2-3. and three. The Shim is not a particularly accurate picture. And there is a third baseman standing behind And I've behind seen the this play before. And can we take a minute before we go on to talk about the fact that those Kia jerseys, you can't see it in this screenshot, but those Kia jerseys say love together. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Fun fact, it is clearly black and white in the rules of baseball that only the catcher is allowed to line up in foul territory. So he was subsequently and immediately told off. But that screenshot is just what it is. And for those of you watching this podcast who are still with us, even though MLB is back, or who are with us from Japan as NPB fans or from anywhere else in the world, Get to Korea someday. It's a beautiful country. It's just by its nature where it's located in the world, very centralized and very easy to get around. And you got to go to a ball game and you just got to feel the atmosphere. And I guarantee you there will be one or two moments every single game where you find yourself laughing, either at the misfortunes of the team you're rooting for or at the good luck of your own team that the baseball gods just smiled upon you and the KB onus has blessed you. Yeah. You just got to go and you got to experience it. I can't 
describe it. I could sit here all day, but I wouldn't do it justice. Yeah, I, I try to think of like the most KBO moments of games I went to. I remember I went to a game in Jamsha where the lights went out for about 30 minutes and there was a there was a, a blackout inside Jamsha. I think it was a Friday night game in Busan. Thank you. Yeah, that was pretty uh, KBO-ish. There was that game in the old, or the, when the, the new Tiger Stadium opened when somebody set a row of seeds on fire because they tried to barbecue some some um, Sam Gibson in the I missed that. The first I missed being game. able to bring a grill to the stadium. <laughs> I'd say was mine was probably a more typical baseball thing. LG being in full control of a Saturday night game in a packed jam cell against SK, being up three to nothing going into the seventh, giving up one home run, and then giving up a walk, and then back-to-back shots that turned the game on, their, on its head. And the stadium being just as loud with visiting fans as it was from home fans. And then SK's closer came in and very nearly blew the save, but got it done with a freak double play or something like that to end the ball game. It's yeah. not the majors, but it's, it's baseball. Majors, no. and, and it doesn't try to be. And I think that's a, that's the important thing. It doesn't. Well. It doesn't, it doesn't want authentic. to be and it doesn't try to be. It's authentic is what it is. Yeah. It's unapologetic. It's what it is. Yeah. And I adore that. Yeah, I think, I think the comparisons with, with Major League Baseball are really unfair. And, like, you know, you like football, soccer. Like, there are Real Madrid, Barcelona, Bayern Munich. Let's, let's talk about Bayern Munich. Bayern Munich are the best team in, in European football right now. Um, possibly yeah. world football, but who cares? The best team in European football. There's no point comparing FC Seoul to Bayern Munich or the players who play for FC Seoul or the Suwon Blue Wings or in China United to, to Bayern Munich. It's a different league. It's the same sport, but it might as well be a different game. And the KBO Absolutely. doesn't try to be uh, major baseball and that. Like, it's, it's its own level. The players are really talented there. They're going to make mistakes that you don't see in the majors, and that's why they spend most of their careers or all of their careers playing in the KBO. But it doesn't mean it's garbage. It's infuriating. It's infuriating sometimes, but it's a great league. And I don't know how some of the guys do it because – I'll admit it, and this is me as a 12-year baseball player, it doesn't necessarily take the same level of physical endurance as some other sports because it is a game of brief 90-foot sprints for the most part. But the number of guys who just really do look like they walked out of the stands, slapped a pair of pants and a hat on, and are playing at that level, I mean... Naji Wan looks like the cool uncle at a barbecue half the time, except he has the face of a cat. And the man hits 30 home runs a season. Ide Ho, <laughs> I love that guy. Always smiling. I met him in Seattle when really? I was in Korea. I went back to Seattle for a month while he was playing for the Mariners. And I went up to him on the side of the field I think I was wearing an SK jersey and hat. And I remember looking up to him and he looked at me and he had this look like, I'm in Seattle and there's this white guy wearing a KVO jersey right now. And I just looked at him and I just said, Ideho, hi team. <laughs> and he, the smile on his face, I like to think it was part of the two home runs that he hit that day against the Texas Rangers. And then he came back to the KVO. And he had a box of fried chicken thrown at him by a fan. 
by the team that he's represented almost all of his professional career and is a hero down there. And somebody still took the time to throw a box of chicken. <laughs> and speaking, speaking of... Old as, yeah. as goofy as he is, I'm surprised he didn't just pick it up and take it with him. <laughs> it's like, okay, this is mine now. Uh, speaking of KB Onis as well, uh, Ted Smith, who a lot of people listening might remember from his time doing the, the cheerleading with the old uh, Next End Heroes, I think it was in Guangzhou, but it might have been in one, well, there's one story in Guangzhou and one story in Busan. And in one of the ballparks, the fans didn't like him doing the cheering in the away section when the heroes only had whatever, 15 or 16 fans at an away game. So they lifted mm-hmm. him up and they threw him out of the ballpark. And <laughs> it's, it's scandalous, but also pretty funny. And then in one of the other ballparks, which I think was in Sajik, then in Busan, somebody stole the man's drum because he was playing music in the stadium. Stole the man's drum. They stole his drum, which is which is ridiculous. But again, but he he has a good sense of humor about it at least. He's not one of these people who was furious about it for a long time. But I mean, I'm sure that could happen anywhere. That could happen in English football game or or an Indian cricket game. Who knows? But it was just it was funny that it happened over here when when a just a foreign guy just wants to play music for his team at a baseball game. His lifted shoulder height out of the stadium, dumped out in that ballpark, and in this one, his drum is nicked. Yeah, I mean, at the same time, you've got the Lotte Cheermaster who comes out for multiple games that I've seen in full kit and knee-high white leather boots. And he's blowing his whistle, swinging his arms around, damn near falling off the top of the stand, just having a good time. Look, the league, the league is not the greatest players, but I'm glad you've already introduced your Hall of Fame. So that's it. Your Hall of Fame is KB Onis, and indeed, you're going to get a lot of um, you're going to get a lot of votes for that. There's no doubt about it. It's a it's a good it's a good suggestion. It's a superb suggestion. Um, I'm surprised, as we said before, because some of the some of the some of these Hall of Fame nominations could be Hall of Shame. Matthew nominated plastic bags in the head in the seventh inning by the Lotte fans. That could conceivably be a Hall of Shame nomination too. And when I suggested uh, Magic One a long time ago, I got no votes. Plastic bags on the heads. I remember Matthew taking me to a couple of Lote games in the Sky Dome, and me sitting with him, and him giving me a plastic bag, and I was like, "What am I supposed to do with this?" <laughs> and he said, "Here, let me show you." Well, he showed me. Yeah. And to this day, I know how to do it. And to this day, every year or so, if you get me drunk enough at a party, I will do it. You'll put the plastic bag on. I will take a plastic bag and I will do the whole thing, capture it with air, tie it off, put it on my head. And then when people ask me what I'm doing, you know what I do? I reach up and I go like this and pop it. Because that's the only thing that's good for, making a bunch of noise and stretching your ears. I do like the whole origin story on that. Matthew could fill you all in on it better than me, but it was something along the lines of Lotte fans sticking around to clean up their own stadium after a game. Yeah. And then they just start putting bags on their heads. Yeah, it's at least it's 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 got tradition. I, I know from listening to, to Kerry Marr as well that there is a tradition then there too of there was a game a long time ago in Sajik when maybe 400 people turned up. It was the lowest crowd ever in a KBO game. 
And there's there's an urban myth. It's probably not true, but it's a good story that those 400 people still turned up for dinner together once a year and reminisced about the time they were the only people at this baseball game. That's, I want that to be true so badly. Yeah. Yeah. It's along the lines of that game in the NHL in the late 80s, which I'm dating myself by the fact that I wasn't alive till almost a decade later. There was a massive snowstorm to the point where the refs couldn't even get to the game and something along the lines of 81 fans showed up and they still reminisce. They all have little coins that say, I'm one of the 81 or whatever. And they still do get together, these New Jersey Devils and Hartford Whalers fans, I want to say. It's things like this that just remind me why I love sports. And sports is a global language. I can read Korean, but I can't tell you what it means. I can look at Hangul on a wall, and I can tell you what sounds it makes. And they say, oh, that's cool. What does it mean? Not a clue. And yet, I still distinctly remember being tapped on the shoulder by a 50-something Korean man with the brightest smile on his face and being handed a full cup of beer halfway through an SK game. Because that was our language. Yeah. Baseball. Yagu. I miss it, and now I want to come back. <laughs> when this whole craziness in this world clears up, yeah. I'll get back out there. Yeah, yeah. Now, now that you mentioned it, there's no way there was 400 people at the game I was talking about. It was definitely double figures. It was like 80 or 90 <laughs> or something. Um, but, but even so, yeah, I, I really want the story to be true. Even if not all of them are at the game to this day, it would be nice if there was still every now and again some people as part of that crew just meet up and talk about the time when the, the Lotte Giants were by far the worst team in this league. Just book out a gingerbong and relax. I don't know. I had a lot of Korean friends that invited me to them, and I never did get around to going to one, but I hear that they're just like fancy saunas. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Good good shout, though. Good shout. Uh, I'm kind of – honestly, I'm, I'm stuck for one. I've been thinking all week about, um, about Hall of Fame nominations, and I was thinking today as well when I knew that – I knew that you were definitely coming on and I knew you would you talk forever about Moonhack uh, Stadium. So I was thinking of, I was actually thinking of doing the outfield of, of Moonhack Stadium, um, but I won't. I'm it's not going so to. Good. It's, it's a good one, but I'm not going to do it. I'm going to pick, I'm going to show you the picture too, because um, it's not that I've got, got props or anything. Um, but as you know, I, this is what I, think it is. I only followed baseball for the first time when it came to Korea in 2009. Um, I fully admit that I had no interest or no knowledge of baseball when I came here. You always need one of those moments. You know, you need one of those moments that uh, you'll remember forever, your first moment of watching baseball. And um, I am going to nominate uh, walk-off home runs in Korean series. Especially this one. <laughs> Look at this man. <laughs> Let me go back to everything I said about Naji. Naji won for president of the world. This man looks like, you know, there was always that one kid on the playground. And he just looks like him. The one kid on the playground who was 
quiet and kept to himself and did not look like an athlete at all, but then joins the pickup football game and proceeds to score a hat-trick or something. Yeah. But I think the reason why I like players like him, and I brought this up in one of these other shows before, is he, like you brought up, uh, you brought up uh, Trajan Sock before as well, and Pak Sok Min at um, the anti-dinos is another example. Dudes Rocking like this game. make baseball fun. They make the KBO fun. You need characters like this. And as much as everybody seems to dislike him who, who doesn't support the Doosan Bears, but OJ Wan is needed in this league. Because I mean, I think, yeah, you need... That's a thing in every sport, but especially in baseball. You need a divisive firebrand type guy who... Especially, I grew up as a hockey fan as well, too. There's always those guys in the league who, when he's on your team, you love him. But if you're a fan of any of the other teams in the league, he's just you, you just want to throw something at his stupid face. <laughs> but they're the ones who get you talking, and they're the ones who keep you talking. Yeah. And actually... for the first time in my five years following the KBO, OJ Wan made me smile when they were playing closed-capacity games and a hot mic caught him saying in English something along the lines of, I'm ready, I'm coming. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because he didn't, he was in the toilet or something, and then he had to bat. I'm okay, I'm coming, I'm ready. Actually, that's a, that's a good Hall of Fame shout, though, now that you bring that up, because I know talking to some of my Tucson friends, they hate Najiwan, a lot of people hate um, OJ Wan, et cetera, et cetera. But the, the player, the player you love to hate, um, the KBO has, I, just, I can't really think of anybody at your particular team that I, I just don't like. There probably is somebody down here. I know like the first baseman park is from Guangzhou as well. He always seemed to play well against the Tigers when I first came over. The dude with Park the Yeah. But he like was, he, he was, was dad though. He was yeah. dad. He was that guy who was very lovable because he had the glasses and he was in his late 30s and he would, I literally would see him put his arm around the younger guys and mentor them. He was literally just dad. And that is who's on the back of this SK Wyvern's authentic Pikachu jersey. So for people listening to this then, this goes on to podcast platforms later on this week, probably probably on Monday if anybody's listening to this. You're wearing you got you got one SK Wyvern's jersey on, and you have you're flashing another one that has a Pikachu on the front of it. But the Pikachu one is insanely ridiculous. You're not even sure how much you paid for it, but it is a collector's item, I guess. But there's something else you wanted to say. The the writing, and I agree with you, the style of the writing on the front of that SK Wyvern's jersey you have compared to the one Absolutely. we have at the moment, it's huge. The difference is huge. I'm going to rebutton the center of the jersey here really quick for those of us watching actual video format because I was fiddling with the buttons because my living room got rather warm. This font was good and it was, it popped because they had the orange lettering and the W just looks sharp. It looks like it's cutting like a dragon or I don't know a wyvern cutting through the air. Hmm. And then they decided to come up with something that a high school team could have come up with on PowerPoint as the replacement. It's just typical block letters, outside shadow, white on the inside. 
it didn't, it just looked like a complete lack of effort. And I know Kia actually got a lot of flack for their redesign, but I actually kind of respected no. the Kia redesign because at least no. someone had to think about that. No. SK already had very basic uniforms. I think SK is the only team in the league and has been for the last five years that wears the traditional MLB style white at home, gray on the road. Every other team has a solid color jersey. Kia has their reds. Nexen, Kium have their burgundies, et cetera, et cetera. Doosan's got the blue. KT for, KT for a while was wearing black at home, if I remember correctly. But yeah. SK was the only team that was going with the traditional old school baseball, white at home, gray on the road. At least they had the orange lettering across the front with the interesting font. Now they've got black and white block letters across the front of the jersey, and they just yeah. couldn't look more generic. I'm happy they did bring back the red jersey. I have one of those upstairs. I was not there while they were wearing it, but the red jersey just pops. There's something about red in baseball that just works for me. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, but I do miss this – style yeah i agree actually the because well, when i came over here for the first time the wyverns weren't the best team in, the, in this in the country and the tigers win in 09 was a fluke um because they did nothing in the years before or after that but the wyverns were definitely the best team in the league and then suddenly the, the lions came along but going to the old stadium at guangzhou and seeing that red and white combination that was probably the best road uniform in the league that one around circa 2010, 11, 12, when the Wyverns are winning all those championships. I thought it was a really nice uniform. Like, like, like the Lions one, the blue and white is nice as well. I do. I, I am fond of Samsung's. As far as the kits that are currently in play, I'm very fond of the dark blue and gold on the NC jerseys myself. That, I would say, is my personal favorite in the league, which is why I also have one of those upstairs. Yeah. Cool. Very I, Yeah, I haven't got one for a long time. I, I don't like the Tigers ones. I hate the thing that looks like a five at the end. It looks like Tiger five as opposed to Tiger. Tiger five. Yeah. I don't know. I think I'm too old to buy to buy uniforms. I, I wish they had the KBO. Some KBO teams got really cool alternative wear, like T-shirts or something like this. But Tigers don't have anything good. I don't want to buy a T-shirt seven years later that still says new stadium or not the problem. And right. The They're still selling the <laughs> new stadium yeah, yeah. shirts? All, all new Tigers, all new stadiums. I don't, I don't want wow. that. Wow. It's, it. it's not new. It literally <laughs> wasn't new when I was there. It was like two years old, and Daegu – Broke the whole new stadium thing. Yeah, yeah, and that and that us. Um, we got it. We're coming towards the end of this um, show, Michael. Thanks again for coming on and, and trying to give us an explanation as to why the Wyverns are, are so goddamn awful. But they could be. They should be better next year. So this could just be. It's twenty. It should, they should rebound. I mean, NC had that one year where, in the middle of them being good, they came home dead last in the league. And NC fans have spoken to have said it was because they played the majority of the season with no catcher. As I said before, SK started this season without their star catcher. So it should just be as simple as plug and play. Hopefully, fingers crossed. 
just get better foreign players in next year as well. So coming coming up coming up then this week, um, I'm not sure as you're saying it's difficult for you to watch. I mean, baseball is coming up. The two game series, which what do you prefer, the two or the three game series? Oh, the, oh, the two game sets can run away. Uh, for me, I prefer a three game series, and here's why: because there's a definitive winner to the series. Sure. Obviously, they don't matter. They don't particularly matter. Oh. We won a three-game series against you guys in May. Nobody cares. But it's easy to keep track of, all right, my team's on a series win, a series win, a series win, a series loss. Okay, we pulled out a sweep. It's an easier way to kind of keep track of the trends in a sport that has so many games and that has so many things to follow. I don't really like looking at winning and losing streaks in baseball because they just happen. Every good team is going to lose four or five in a row at least once in a season. Every bad team's going to go on a three-game winning run somewhere in there. Yeah. So I like looking at a three or a, a block of three-game series and say, okay, we've won eight of our last ten series. We're on a positive trend right now. Yeah. So yeah. the two gamers, I think they just go by so fast. You don't really get a feel for how the teams match up against each other. And honestly, more often than not, the series end up split. Yeah. But I'm zooming in here, here now to look at the games coming on. So th- uh, this is some... Tuesday and Wednesday. There's no games on Monday. Um, whatever. I mean, I'm sure there's some games that be played up. But if you look at those Tuesday and Wednesday games, none of them really stick out. I guess the Tigers and the Heroes might, might be a bad game. LG against SK, unlikely. Hanwha against Tucson. There's actually not really a standout fixture at all in terms of the Tuesday and Wednesday games. Um, Those should all be clean series sweeps. The one that I could honestly see giving the biggest fight would be Lote might steal one because they're not completely dead, but they know that they're circling the drain. So they'll give it all they got, but they'll probably Lote themselves into a loss anyway. It's, it's that, that, the, the midweek series are top five teams against bottom five teams. There's no, there's no current playoff teams playing against each other. So I think and that's a team, shame. Yeah. Because those last three spots are tight. They should be playing each other right now. But those Let's should move. be five clean sweeps. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Let's move through that then. Uh, I like the one on Thursday and Friday. KT Kia could be a big series. Uh, absolutely. NT and the LG Twins absolutely. should be a big series. Other than that, then we get a lot more series like Hanwha against uh, Lote and uh, Dusan against Samsung. Your boys are on the road to the Dome. Ultimately, LG are fighting for their lives. NC, NC, you never want to let your foot off the gas, but if there's a team that can kind of take it easy right now, it is the Dinos because there's seven games in hand. Series to watch in the midweek, definitely Kia KT. KT, like I said, they have to start stepping on throats and prove that they belong in that playoff spot. They can't back in. And Kia have to fight for their lives right now because they have been handed opportunity after opportunity from multiple different teams, and they are just vomiting all over themselves every chance they get. (laughs) But to go to the... Nice way, Ooh. nice way to put it together. Ooh, there's, yeah, there's one, there's one double header on Sunday, and that's Dusan against Kiev, and that's that should be a good game. KT against LG is a standout weekend series, surely. 
Absolutely. I mean, I think as fans, as neutral fans that we are, we have to hope that one way or another that series is a sweep. If that ser- This is another reason I don't like two-game series. If that series is a split, it's a wash. It does nothing in the standings. But if that series is a sweep, whoever wins it can take a little bit of a breath, and whoever loses it has their feet to the fire going into next week. So for that, I really wish it was a three-game set, in all honesty. But Twins leading LG- is 5-4 at the moment. LG leading that season series 5-4 at the moment. Yeah. yeah. That's really, I'd say the pressure is more on LG right now, obviously. KT's got a couple of games cushion, but with 30-something left to play, every single one of them matters. Oh, look, a tie for those of you tuning in from outside of Korea who don't know the KBO that well. Those happen. Because Kim against Dusan, I like that. The heroes are five and two over Dusan this season with a tie thrown in there as well. So most of the big series this, this week, we said there's nothing really to look forward to on Tuesday and Wednesday. I'm not sure what Spo TV is showing yet for anybody um, watching this internationally, but from Thursday through to Sunday, any game involving the KT Wiz looks like the standard, the standard series. Um, so that's it. We're done. We're done for this week. Thanks for coming on again. I hope you enjoyed your return to Grand Slam KBO. Good to be back. Yeah. Always good to be back. And it's the mid-afternoon for me right now. So if you guys are going to do these late-night recordings, you can surely call me up anytime. Love to be on here, talk about the game that's been my whole life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We tend to do them at random it. We tend to finish them random this time. There's always a couple of beers going around on the tables as well. Um, but Matthew is sick this week. He should be back next week with the Hall of Fame and Hall of Shame results. And then when Bradley is not on a romantic weekend, he should be back sometime soon. Yeah. yeah, thanks for coming on. Thanks for joining us again. And I think for you, just write out the rest of 2020. Hopefully there's baseball to watch inside the ballpark in 2021 and your team should definitely put up better. Well, I got baseball to play next week out here in Germany. Unfortunately, it's not streamed. But for all you guys, stay safe, have fun. Matthew, I'm sure you're watching this. Get better soon, man. We miss you. And we'll certainly be in touch. Thanks for listening, everybody. Talk to you next Sunday.